I don't want to get too distracted, but sometimes there's a little bit of confusion with this term of the, the, not the mother of Jesus, we all know he had a mother, but did he have brothers and sisters, the way we think of that term, and we get lost in the Hebrew vocabulary and what that translates into. And I've always been struck that there was an intimacy between Jesus and his mother as the firstborn and the only child. We have like lots of Im- images of that, but it struck me that at the foot of the cross, you'll always remember that Jesus gave his mother not to some other brother because he didn't have any. He gave her to John, the son of Zebedee, precisely because there was no one else. He entrusted her to John, and in John's place, all of us, to be his brothers and his sisters and to be, have a beautiful, beautiful relationship with his mother, Mary. But just a little caveat to, to steer away from any confusion about the family life of Jesus. He was her firstborn, and he was her only. And we are the ones who are invited into that intimacy. And as we read this passage, you have this image of Jesus, if you were following yesterday, last few days, he moves from Nazareth, if you know why he couldn't live in Nazareth anymore, he kind of ticked off the people there. He comes to Capernaum, and he says, it says he made his home in Capernaum. And this is just a couple of verses later, Mark writes that the mother of Jesus and his brothers or relatives or tribe, whatever you want to call that word, come to see the house. They come to him at the house. It's like they want to see the new digs, you know? Let's see this house you got, son. I want to take a look at it. Oh, they really want to see him. And if you read this the wrong way, it sure sounds like Jesus, busy inside, man of the hour, popular, everyone's focused on him. And I don't know if this ever happened to you, if you're in the spotlight and your friends are hanging around you, and uh, your friend says, hey, your mom's here. I don't know if you're a freshman, that's kind of like, mom, go away. (laughs) Go away, I'm good. Don't embarrass me, please. So you might wonder if Jesus is saying, uh, my mom, uh, really, guys, who's my mother, my brother? You guys. And kind of dismissing, ignoring his poor mom trying to see him. That's not exactly what's going on. And I do kind of picture this story ending with Jesus immediately going out to spend time with his mother and the people from his relatives and family. But he goes deeper, rather. He's, not only is he not insulting her or dismissing her, Watch how this works. He says to the listeners, let me teach you something about what it means to be my mother, my brother, my sisters. Who are they? He doesn't say, she's not them, you are. He says, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my mother, my sister, my brothers, are the ones closest to me are the ones I don't consider strangers who don't know me, but those who are right next to my heart. And if you know the story of Mary of Nazareth, she could sum up her life by saying, Behold, when she's 16, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to your word, according to your will in everything. Her whole life was exactly that. Let the will of God the Father be done to me. It's almost like Jesus was saying, you want to learn how to do it? Look at her. Because she did it best. Follow her example. Elizabeth would praise her. Blessed are you who accepted and believed the word of God. Who did the will of God. So it's interesting, like he's not only not dismissing her, he's actually elevating her. All are called to be brothers and sisters of mine. And she nailed it. Look at her. We consider as well that 
It's not just a speculative statement. It's also an invitation. What I have, he says, with my Father in heaven, that divine bliss of our heavenly life together, our communion, our holy intimacy, I would love each of you not to be some servant that do things for me, but I'd rather have you in my home forever, next to me, close to my heart. I want that for you. I want you to share that same status as if you were brother, sister, mother to me. I want to tell you things that I can't tell other people. I want to share with you intimate moments that I would share with a close sibling. That's the heart of Jesus talking to you, to me. And let's face it, half the time, we're ignoring him. Half the time, we're discussing with some other friend that he's not a party to, another friend's in our friend's group, and he's left out. Because we have a little private joke going on or whatever else, or we have a private stuff going on. And he's sitting there saying, I want you to share all that I have. Remember, remember he says to the elder son in the story of the prodigal son, the elder son, you are with me always. I want you to be with me always. And all that I have, all my toys, my trinkets, my treasures, all of heaven's joy, I want you to consider it yours. What does it mean to be that to me? Who is my brother, my sister, my mother? Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven. As great as the saints and Mother Mary and the apostles and John who laid on the heart of Jesus, literally at the Last Supper, laid his head on his heart, you are called to have that same greatness and intimacy with our Lord. He's showing us how do you do that? What does that look like? Once you step into that dynamic, or will you stand on the outside as if you don't belong? Will you tell my father no when he invites you to do what a son or daughter would lovingly do for a father who loves them? We're invited to listen closely when God speaks in our hearts, when we are told this is the will of God for you, when the church teaches the way of Jesus Christ as the way for you and for me. May we not respond to that with our indifference or our skepticism or cynicism. You can ask if you're honest, you can say, well, I would like to follow God's will for me. I really would. How do I know what it is? I'll leave off on a few quick things, all right? How do you know what God's calling you to do? How do you know what God's will is? Outside of, yes, we have teachings. The church has given us a lot of clear things there. Jesus even reaffirmed, like, if you want to be who you're called to be, follow the commandments, he told the rich young man. So you all know that. That's why we always use the examination of conscience of the commandments as one way to know, am I even doing that? But some practicals, I've often been introduced to this as like, you could say the five S's if you want them, okay? The first one, when you feel like God might be asking you to do something with your life or your talent or your treasure. Should I join the football team or the music team? Do I have talent for reading or for, or for sports? Do I want to be a, a, an engineer or a musician with my life? The first S is silence. Let's face it, we walk into the chapel and it's, it's a new thing. We're out of class. We've been quiet, attentive for all, all the time that the teacher needed. And we want to kind of be loud and, and get it out of our system. And that's good, but there's, there's also a time for quiet. And all the scriptures tell us God doesn't speak usually in the loud eruptions and noise and music and chaos of our cities. He speaks in the quiet of the heart. 
the gentle movements within the heart. Are we silent enough to be attentive to those movements in our own hearts? Two, sacraments. Drawing close to where he most wants to meet us. We call it Holy Communion, right? Because it's a holy intimacy moment. You go to confession, you're sorry for your sins, and you've got some scum all over the antenna. It's hard for you to hear what he's saying. The antenna's not picking up his signals in your heart to his heart. So you go to confession to clean out what's corroding the, the, the antenna, what's making it hard for you to hear. The attachments to the sinful ways that we have, bring that to the sacrament of confession to be able to hear more easily. What is God's will for me? How do I follow the will of God? What's he saying to me? Another one is um, spiritual direction. In other words, there's a map, there's a route to the Father, there's a way to know what what He's asking me, but it's nice to have someone else who knows the map and who knows me and can help put the two together. This is how He's talking to you. This has been a pattern in your life of how God gets your attention. I want to help you listen to that better. And this is what the map tends to look like in, in general, but yours is very specific within this roadmap. Let me help you get there. So that you don't have to reinvent the wheel on your own as if you don't have any way to know the will of God. Silence, sacraments, spiritual direction. A fourth one is service, giving yourself, using your talents. Why wait? I'll figure out my, what God wants of me when I'm 25, when I'm 50. Use now the time that you have to invest in what it seems like God's giving you the talents to do. Talents in school, talents in music, talents for serving the people around you, making a difference in their lives. Talents to love and to care for those around you. Talents to put your intelligence at the service of their needs before yours. That's getting you more and more on the wavelength of God so that when he moves your heart, you'll recognize that's what he sounds like, that's what he feels like. And getting to discern as well other movements that are not his. And lastly, silence, sacraments, spiritual direction, service. And if you have all these things in front of you, you've been doing all these things and you've got some options in front of you, God, are you calling me to be a doctor or an engineer? And I've got to make a choice by tomorrow. There's the deadline. I've got to sign up for some major in college. Well, you pick the one that, either one, really. If you've been listening, hopefully one stands up. But if there's two equal, step forward. Don't be passive. Don't do nothing. Don't wait for the lightning bolt to say, this is what God wants of you. You have to do it. You have no choice because now you know it for certain. Step forward. Take a risk. And allow him a chance to surprise you to second what you're doing, to confirm your intelligence, your reason, your own efforts to discern. Silence, sacraments, spiritual direction, service, and step forward. And you'll begin to realize God's been talking to your heart. God's been revealing his will to you. Within the midst and the context of the church and the commandments and the way that Jesus taught us, there's specific ways to listen. And when you hear that will of God, Jesus says, do it. Be my sister, my brother. An intimate one that I can share my heart with. You can walk on this road with me under the burden, the, the burdens that he carries. We simply ask the Holy Spirit to help us to rediscover that joy of having an intimacy with Christ. That isn't just a feeling, no matter what I'm doing. It comes with a life lived in communion with Him, following the Father's will and experiencing the joy of sisterhood, of brotherhood, of intimacy with the heart of Christ itself.
We're invited to that today. Whatever I was doing yesterday or last week or last year, today is an invitation. Come share that intimacy with me. Come stand beside me with the level of those in heaven. Don't run away from it. Don't dismiss it. And don't let life around you distract you from it. Amen? St. Francis de Sales, pray for us.